Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, my name is Agile and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. And I believe you should too. Just go to patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener to this Backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. I am John. Joining me as always, of course, is Mo. Hey, everybody. And it wouldn't be a show without George. Hey, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? The Backtrack is, as you probably know, the episode where we take a single nostalgic topic and dig in deep. Well, this time around, it is the Mo Show. <laughs> Four <laughs> decades ago, a rookie game developer working for a pinball company was tasked with creating a new video game in order to break into that booming market. The result was an isometric action puzzler starring a fuzzy orange hero with a filthy mouth <laughs> Moe's favorite man in this backtrack we're going to celebrate the 40th anniversary of the arcade classic Hubert Mo, how excited are you I am extremely excited <laughs> not excited to hear that's 40 years ago but everything else I'm excited about that does burn a little but oh yeah <laughs> A well worth celebrating. We're going to talk all about Qbert in this episode. Before we get into that, real quickly, it's time for some fourth listener email. The fourth listener this time around is Tony G. He dropped us a line. Subject line of his email, skating rinks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. A lot of feedback. I think so. Yeah, yeah. It really resonated. Tony says, hey, guys, after listening to the recent podcast episode on skating rinks, I found myself awash in very fond memories. (laughs) I grew up in a very rural part of Southern Ohio, and our little neighborhood was at least 10 minutes from anything at all, except the skating rink, which sat directly (laughs) at the bottom of the hill. (laughs) Nice. For most of the 80s, I spent at least two or three Saturdays a month walking down the hill, prepared to skate the night away. Mm. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, I can relate. Well, not at the end of the hill, (laughs) but I can relate to skating the night away. He goes on to say, the small selection of arcade games, particularly Galaga, which was my jam, Mm. Uh, The games that were hosted out on the rink, like Hokey Pokey, Corner Skate, Limbo, etc. The hot dogs, music, good friends, and the girl who worked behind the snack (laughs) counter helped make every visit pretty special. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I think we could all relate, Tony. Uh, He says, man, those were the days. Thank you guys for doing your part to keep those Gen X memories alive. Sincerely, Tony G. And he tags it with a PS. He says, Uh PS, the rink was converted into an office building for a construction company some years back. Every time I pass it, I feel a twinge of sadness. (laughs) Mm. Why does a construction company need a building? They're a construction company. Can't they just make that shit up on the fly? They don't have to take over somebody else's skating rink. That's bullshit. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Maybe they tore it down and built their own to show off how fancy they were. Either Uh, way, we'd rather have more skating rinks than more construction companies in my world. (laughs) 
Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much, by the way, for being a patron of Gen X Grown Up, as I know you are, and also for taking the time to write in. If you would like your email featured here on the show, it is drop dead simple. All you got to do is hit us up at podcast at genxgrownup.com. Read every single one. And most of them, like Tony's, will eventually make the show. All right. It's time to drop a quarter in Cubert and celebrate this 40th anniversary <laughs> right after this. Stick around. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Be sure to subscribe to or follow Gen X Grown Up wherever you listen. And while you're there, rate and review the show, too. It helps more than you know. The Fleeners are about to meet Cubert. What they don't know is that this cute little character may change their lives. Only you can hop the irresistible Cubert and avoid nasty characters like Coily. Like the arcade game, the more trouble he gets into, the more involved you'll get trying to save him. You'll hop with him, float with him, you'll anticipate his every move. You'll grow so attached to Cubert, you'll become one of the family. Cubert from Parker Brothers, also available in tabletop model. The cat's out of the bag. You know we're talking all about Cubert <laughs> in this episode. And it makes no sense for me or George to sit here and tell you about Cubert because all we'd be doing is reading the notes that Mo prepared because he <laughs> is the expert on this game. So for the remainder of the show, I'm actually going to hand hosting duties over to Mo, who by far is the Cubert expert and aficionado. So why don't you get us going with just how this game came about in the first place? It was interesting because back in the early 80s, the companies that were, you know, there were big companies like Atari and stuff getting into the arcade games. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. But pinball companies were also trying to get in. So Gottlieb was really trying to break into the arcade market. Mm. And by 82, they had these two games that they were only released in Japan and were really doing terrible. So they decided to just kind of take a new tack. They hired a brand new guy, Warren Davis, in mm -hmm. January of 1982 as a game developer. And they basically told him, make a game. I mean, <laughs> literally. With any direction? Like what kind of game? No, a pinball said, make a game. game or, hmm, but that's all they told game. him. I gotcha. yeah, make an arcade huh. game. All right. And so, I mean, he worked on some other projects when he first got there, you know, helped some other games that they had in development. But then, you know, the guy says he went to his desk, said, I need you to make an arcade game, and then walked away. And he was basically <laughs> like, okay. And, you know, one of the things that was really cool is that back in those days, I don't think people really understand, like, the programmers and developers of those games had to work under such tight constraints to create these games. Because of hardware. Because of hardware. They had, literally, for this particular one, they had 64K for the program. Mm. Mm. Kilobytes. Another 64 for sprites, which for those who know, that's basically like the images and the characters that move, and a whole 32K mm. for background images. I mean... <laughs> well, now I understand why it's a black background. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> most of the game. We're out of memory. <laughs> yep, gotta have memory. I think it's interesting to point out, you talk about Gottlieb decided mm -hmm. that they wanted to move into the video game market. I think it's not lost on any one of us that that's probably because they felt video games were going to kill the pinball industry, yeah. which mm, is the same yeah. thing that like radio stations were afraid of MTV because they were sure that was going to kill the radio <laughs> right, video industry. Killed the radio right. star, right? Exactly. Now, none of those things ended up happening. We still have brand new pinball machines released every year by big companies. Oh, sure. And yeah. it's interesting, though, that they were so terrified of this new thing <laughs> that crashed just like a year or two later yeah. that they brought this guy on board and said, 
go save our asses. And Qbert came from that. Yeah, it's really amazing. The serendipity. It's like, got lucky. Yeah. And it's funny, like you said, pinball's still around. I mean, maybe not as big as it used to be, but still pretty damn big. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when I was talking with Warren Davis and what I learned from reading his book is that the- Oh, wait, wait, game- wait, 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 wait. Let's not gloss over that. When Mo talked to Warren Davis. Oh, well, yes, I did. <laughs> Name drop. So you spoke to the man? Is that right? Oh, yeah. Actually, I talked to him over at Southern Fried Gaming Expo, and I actually got to do an interview with him. Oh, so nice. He talked a lot about Qbert and other things. Okay. But yeah, right. so it's like, talk to him. And he also has a book that he wrote called Creating Qbert, which is really good. It talks mm-hmm. about the whole, if you really want to know about the whole, what it was like back then, just in general for arcade games and development behind the scenes, it's an amazing book with some really great stories. Mm. But this game was definitely created like probably today we'll call it like in sprints, you know, or something like that, or agile, but it was an evolutionary game. It was like they kind of, he walked around the office essentially, saw somebody had like a great idea, said, ooh, let me see if I could use that and pulled it in. And one of the first he saw, he saw a guy who had like basically built like these square pyramids. And he mm-hmm. said that he said like, wow, you know, what's really interesting is that if something's falling down that pyramid, each step, it only has two choices. Either go to the left or to the right. Mm-hmm. And computers, one or zero. Mm, okay. And so that way he says, I could plot a whole trace all the way down this pyramid of eight things in one byte of memory with just eight bits of data. Right. Oh, so he was looking at like economy of storage yeah. by using that as a play field. Oh, damn. All right. I know. I mean, as I said, like, that's why I think these guys are some probably some of the best developers that were ever out there, where the people mm. had to work like 2,600 developers. I mean, all that stuff, because they had such amazing constraints they had to work with. That's cool. And so basically by doing that, then he said, okay, I got this idea of something falling down. He's like, okay, now what? And he said that, oh, I need obviously something that needs to not get hit from these things falling down, right? Okay. And so he walked around and asked people, because they had graphic artists and all sorts of different people working in the office. He's like, does anybody mm-hmm. have any characters not using? <laughs> So, <laughs> like, seriously, he said he was, and this guy had some that he wasn't using, and he picked what he thought was the most pathetic looking one, which turned out to be the Cuber, because he says, and that was Cuber to fall and hit this guy in the head. That's pretty sad, you know. <laughs> he wanted a sympathetic character, so he kind of made him kind of pathetic. Kind of a sad sack looking guy. Yeah. yeah. And so that's basically where the character of Cuber came from. But looking at the character, the original thought was like something would shoot out of his nose. So maybe he could shoot oh, the things coming down. I always down. wonder why he had that snout yeah, thing. That was one of the thinking, oh. but basically they couldn't get it to work. Hmm. But don't they even like in John, in, in Wreck-It Ralph, doesn't he load up his nose and shoot stuff out of it in that? Mm. Or in some other thing that I, we've seen Cuber did? Maybe one of the Pac-Man and I've seen him do it in the cartoon, I in think. In the cartoon, I think he the cartoon he did. That's maybe what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. But yeah, I guess because of the amount of memory and complexity would add, they totally just scrapped that idea. Mm-hmm. But he still had the basic for the game. You know, things falling down, you're on the cubes, and you had the idea of like, okay, as you touch each cube, you change the color so you get the pattern at the end. That's how you clear a level. Mm-hmm. And then he went to talk about the sound on it, and he was trying to figure out like, okay, what's a good way to make sound? And this one was one that I thought was really funny, is that they had a speech chip on there that could do like phonics, like different phonic sounds, and they put okay. together mm-hmm. to make words and make the computer say stuff. And they threw random numbers at it until it came up with a phrase that they liked. <laughs> oh, that's the... <laughs> that noise is just random phonetics. Yeah. Just oh, random damn. phonetics. And they found us, oh, that sounds great. And that's what they went with. Wow. Again, it's just like how they're just like super flexible, really just trying to make the most out of what limited resources they had around This really them. was a wild west of game development. Oh, it, it was. Like, was. Like, well, throw random numbers at it. That sounds like something. It's a yeah, game. Holy Moses. Yeah. yeah. 
And I asked him actually during the interview too, like, because I heard a lot of stories of how it was a very high stress environment. These people who mm-hmm. developed these games and all that stuff. But he says Gottlieb was not like that at all. Mm. He says they were just actually super chill. They just left him alone to do his work. Everybody was super supportive and collaborative. Well, I think that makes sense though, because like we talked about, Gottlieb had been around for a while doing pinball. Oh, yeah. So oh, their yeah. business and their company was already established. Oh. Their whole environment of work was probably already established. Were you talking about things like Atari, who had this idea that they needed to get IP licenses and keep track, like E.T., we've got to have yeah. that video game by Christmas mm-hmm. and Raiders mm-hmm. of the Lost Ark. They had to do all that stuff because they were trying to develop an industry. Gottlieb was already part of an industry. Right. Video games was like skunk works for Gottlieb. They were probably like, yeah, Man, you guys see what you could come up with. Maybe we'll make some money off this video game thing too <laughs> exactly it's not your primary exactly. deal and on top of everything else yeah huh. you know another thing is like the uh infamous knocker and in cubert like that's one of the things i think it makes that game oh, when you die totally unique from anything else that and for those of you who don't know if you don't i feel so sorry for you um <laughs> <laughs> if you're playing cubert <laughs> and if you fall off the edge or you make the bad guys fall off the edge as he falls you're ah and they actually had a pinball knocker at the bottom of the case that would hit the case they changed the case at the bottom pinball company Here's something that Mo's going to get pissed at me about. I didn't even know that was a thing until you talked about it when we got these mini arcade versions. From <laughs> really? Replica. I didn't. I never paid attention to it in the arcade because honestly, oh. there's so many sounds and noises mm-hmm. and everything in the arcade. I didn't. Oh. I don't remember noticing it. So when Mo mentioned it, hey, this new replicate has a knocker in it. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> and then he explained it. Why? I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, it does have an R. Oh, that's cool. Like, I yeah, I yeah. didn't have any credibility what to speak of whatsoever because I never heard it back then. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the knock was almost like a fourth wall breaking kind of thing. You know, it's like it took Yeah, it was in the, the real world. It wasn't yeah, part it of the speaker. Real. Yeah. And he goes yeah. and talks about how, like, he tried to come up with the different ways to use a knocker. But because it was a pinball manufacturing company, they had tons of these knockers laying around. Mm. He says so it was really easy to get the parts and program it. So, Makes again, sense. it was just, just taking bits and pieces and ideas from different people and putting it together to create this game which I think is just, that's why one of the things I just maybe appreciate the game even more was because of that. Hmm. And so the big thing was, where did the name Kubert even come from? Okay. Sure, that's a I weird name. That. that is a very it weird name. It doesn't seem to have anything to do with the game whatsoever. It doesn't really. Right, and it's, it's like Q asterisk Bert. Bert, <laughs> right. Okay. Like sure. if it had been Cube, okay. Mm-hmm. I could have mm-hmm. got that, but it wasn't. Well, they somebody said they should call it that. You know, basically the exclamation point. Oh, the curse words. Oh, what he says in the speech bubble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, then how do you? Hey, what's your high score on noises? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly what he says. Like, what will people actually call it? You right. know. And he's like, well, they call it cube gate. He's like, no, no, that you know, we have to give mm-hmm. it a name. And then somebody recommended the game Hubert, yeah. and everyone said, why? He says, well, name for the guy or. Yeah. Basically, he says, well, Hubert kind of sounds a little bit like Cube and it's just a funny name. (laughs) It (laughs) is a sad sounding name. Like, I don't expect Hubert Hubert. to be the lead in an action movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Hubert. And then was like, well, we're sorry, fourth listeners whose names are Hubert. (laughs) Yeah, you are. I'm not. <laughs> if you had to grow up with the name Hubert, I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize to you. Yeah, you blame your parents. Nobody apologized to me for being named George, so to hell with Hubert. Right. The source of George's frustration came from birth. 
So then it says, well, instead of making it like sound like cube, well, just put a C in there and make it Cubert. C U B E R T. Okay. Oh, they replaced the H. Right. All right. All right so Back now we're cube. in the cube area that I was wondering about. Okay. So cube. And then someone said, well, let's be really cute. Instead of a C U, let's just put a Q for li- Q. Q Because of the Bert. sound, cube. the phonetics. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. So cube Bert. So the word cube is kind of in there. And that's that's basically where they came from. Name. So it went from H U B E R T to C U B E R T to right. Q B E R T. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So there's a logic there. Well, <laughs> it doesn't make linear sense, but I get how you got there. <laughs> there's a 1980s programmer cocaine logic in there. I'll give you that. That probably Dude, what if you it. called it? <laughs> I just see like some guy like, okay, I've got this idea. <laughs> and he's got the nose for it already. He's got that snout. Yeah, right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, you know that that was the whole thing about the, the heavy metal cartoon. They had to steal that idea from Cuber. <laughs> they actually did do an office poll to come up with that name, too. So, again, it was like that whole just everybody was involved in it. You know, Warren Davis obviously was the the mastermind behind the whole thing, but he mm-hmm. was smart enough to pick good ideas wherever he found them to create an ultimately just a really good idea. And speaking of him, I mentioned before that I had a chance to interview him. And right. that's actually on our podcast stream. I think it should be out now by the time this goes out, right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, just a few days ago. Yeah. So a few days. So if you go back one episode, if you missed it, I don't know how you can miss it if you subscribed. Wow. But- <laughs> <laughs> and if you missed it, subscribe. <laughs> if you, yeah, if you miss it, definitely subscribe. I had a, an amazingly great conversation with Warren Davis. And he, let me say, he's super entertaining, really fun to talk to. And he just loves talking about those times, not just Cuba, but the whole experience of being a developer and just being like kind of behind the scenes in those days. And so it's a really great interview. So if you get a chance, you'll absolutely go listen to it. After this show is over, finish this one. Then go yes, back right. to finish it. this one first, then go back. <laughs> or go listen to it now and then come back. Either way, we still get the download credit. Who cares? That's true. Yeah, if you already listened to it, thank you. Well, go back, listen to it again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or tell your friends to listen to it. There we go. <laughs> so many instructions. <laughs> it's just like the Cubert game. We're just playing <laughs> bouncing stuff down We're the wall. We're just bouncing ideas so we find one good one that works. works. Something six of the wall (laughs) but so basically that's how the game was developed your brain needs support and new ollie brainy chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health made with scientifically backed ingredients like thai ginger l-theanine and caffeine brainy chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus stay chill or get energized be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You're listening to Gen X Grown Up. But if you have a friend who's not yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. I'm Cubert, and I've got all the right moves. I've got the legs, too. First an arcade game, now my own home video game. I'm ready for anything. Staying away from creeps like Ugg and Coily takes a quick mind and lots of fancy footwork. The longer I hop around, the more they're out to get me. Ugh! When they said fame would go to my head, they weren't kidding. Now for all popular systems. Not easy being Hubert, but it's fun. So now we know how it was developed. Let's talk about when it was released and kind of the impact it made when it first went mm-hmm. out. Yep. So back then, they would kind of create a couple cabinets and put them out to like test sites. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because building these mass market, you can measure the expense, right? It's it's a huge, huge Well, they're expense. not small things. They're yeah. big, giant pieces mm-hmm. of wood and hardware yep. and 
circuit boards. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's real manufacturing to put these things so together. You're not going to yeah. build yeah. like 5,000 of them and put them out everywhere. Right. Without right. You don't testing. make a grand of them before you know whether it's going to flop or not. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Gottlieb was based in Chicago or near Chicago. And so okay. they actually just put, like, I think, five or six of them out there in just various different um, arcades out there. And they did what they called the coin test. And they say, how much money does it make its first week or a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's what they did with Pac-Man and Galaga. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, that makes perfect sense. Of course. You know, why invest tons of money? Market research. You yeah. do a little bit of research and real life research, too, on top of everything else. Mm-hmm. And so they said that the team was really excited because they actually go out there and watch people play the game, like in the wild, not having, you know, watching them in a test scenario or like in some sort of market testing thing. They actually just go watch people, how they reacted to the machine, you know, how they approached it. You know, they actually watch all that and tweak and make changes as they saw well, fit. doing it locally in a big city like Chicago, too. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, that's got to help. That gives you a great test bed for just about anywhere else that you're going to want to start putting these games out. Because yeah, first you got to make them popular in the big cities, then you can start shipping them out to the suburbs and small rural areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And if it's going well, that's got to be super fun and gratifying for developers to see oh, people yeah, loving the thing you made, right? I can go into that. <laughs> cool. You know, I was reading his book and he talked about how like he saw a little girl go up to the machine, mm-hmm. put a quarter in, played it, died, walked away. And he's like, oh, because that's not what you want. <laughs> you, know, you want someone to put another quarter another in right quarter. Go again, right. And so he said, you know, in the book, he talked about how he was like, oh man, like, okay, did I make it too hard? Was it too difficult? But then he said, the new thinks that she came back and played it again. Oh, And hmm. so he's like, oh, she came back. So he says, okay, maybe there is something there. And they were worried that it was too hard, but apparently it just caught on and people just played the crap out of it. Hmm. And so Gottlieb said, okay, this is a thing. And in October of 82, they started production and November – the game started hitting the world in large and just started being released everywhere. Wow. Also, back in those days, they also had like a bunch of coin-op trade shows, they were called. So there were anything that was like coin-operated. So they said it could be pinball, it could be arcade games, it could be shuffleboard. Pachinko you know, or whatever, yeah, right? anything. Yeah. Cigarette machines. I mean, all of those things oh, okay. kind of like yeah. were yeah, that these same industry genre. shows that we even see, see now with like E3 and things like yeah, that. This exactly. was just an early predecessor of that. So they sent it there and then they said that like a bunch of the industry magazines kind of, they all ranked it or a lot of them ranked it like near their top of best picks. Mm. And of course, a lot of chain places, a lot of people go there to see, okay, what's the next game I'm going to buy? What's the next thing I'm going to pick up? So that was like a big boost in order to get them to come out and just actually purchase these things. Yeah, the best in show awards at those things usually translate into larger sales. I mean, you can imagine you've got a tilt arcade chain representative there, probably an Mm -hmm. Aladdin's Castle person there. Mm -hmm. So any of those guys, they see that best in show award or that list that you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, this thing is, people like it and it's made money. I'm putting it in my stuff. Yeah. Sure. Let all the experts of the show do your research for you. Like, well, they've mm-hmm. all evaluated it. They think it's the next best thing. It's almost a guaranteed investment to buy that machine. Good for them. And it's funny because I mentioned before how they thought it was too hard. After mm-hmm. a while, he said that he thought it was too easy because he started hearing rumors that people were playing a really long time on one quarter, uh-huh. which again is not awesome right, for right. people who run arcades. I, I think, did they say an arcade game, like they want you to have to put in a quarter every like three to six minutes or something. something like, like they don't want you to play too right. long. Right? They want want to turnover is what you want. Yeah. And he actually considered going back and tweaking it to make it harder when he heard this. But he decided to just kind of leave it alone. Let's let it run its course. And it turns out that it really was just, there was a few people who could play that well, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. like the general public. I I don't think it's that easy. I think it's plenty difficult. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I'm still trying to get past level three. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) 40 years later. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then the funny thing is that you look at like in like uh it came out in late 82 by 1983 Kubert man they licensed the crap out of that character you know you saw him on t-shirts it was a board game he had a almost like pac-man he was everywhere mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah. yeah well he was the next cuter version of pac-man because pac-man in and of itself on the arcade machine screen right. is not cute he's nothing he's, he's not nothing. cute yeah. at all yeah but Kubert had a shape that looked yeah. mm-hmm. cute and like you said, Warren Davis, you know, kind of sad a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you felt he had bad a personality, for the didn't he? He had a personality yeah. because yeah. of the cussing. You didn't get that with Pac-Man or Galaga or any of the other top games at that time. So, yeah, I would license the shit out of that thing. <laughs> and they did. <laughs> you know what's weird? I never thought about this before, but I know people talk about how like Frogger and Cubert, like the cuter games were kind of mm-hmm. somewhat targeted toward women because there weren't a lot of games for women because there was a lot of, a lot of shooting and blood and gore stuff. Uh, and Pac-Man in the same way because it was just, you know, like a puzzle game. However, it's also a little bit like the fact that he dies and he curses. It's like a little <laughs> bit like, ooh, look what he did that's had to be fun for guys and especially young men who was like "Ooh, he cursed did you see that like it was a little bit dirty almost even <laughs> yeah. though it was nothing that had to be a yeah, double he's pissed uh, off bonus i think it too it depended on the age range like i was so 82 i'm like 10 or 11 i'm still at the age range where cursing was cute and funny and mischievous <laughs> yeah. to yeah. me if i'd have been 15 or 16 i'd have been like maybe not well he's not really cussing right you know i might have been a little <laughs> bit more jaded so i think the age range plays into it a lot and my age range was probably more likely to give up quarters faster and be okay with it. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> some people thought that Cuba was actually saying something. Mm. Oh, they're trying to decode it. And trying to decode <laughs> it. And, and No, he's not. It's all random. <laughs> it's, string of numbers. You can make it sound like whatever you want to, but it's just a string of numbers that they came up with the sound. So let me ask you guys. I mean, I obviously have pretty fond memories of Cuba, but do you guys have remember the first time playing it or seeing it? So, John, let's start with you. Uh, you know, I couldn't tell you the first time I saw it. As far as arcades go, it was just kind of always there. It, it was it was a staple. Like if people, you know, you had a Pac-Man, you had a Donkey Kong, you had a Galaga, and Cubert was kind of the next tier of like, you got to have one of those kind of things. But the first memory I have of playing it, and it really was recognizing that Knocker was there. Mm. Like before I liked the game, I liked that that was something new and different that nothing else had. And in my arcade, you said, George, in yours, like you couldn't hear it, you didn't realize, or maybe you thought it was <laughs> right. a nearby pinball machine. I remember in my arcade, it was loud as hell. Like maybe somebody <laughs> put metal under it. And especially, it was bad when you died, but if the bad guy, you said, right, Mo, mm-hmm. the bad guy falls, if you lure him Boy, off the edge, he goes, ah, smack, and it was loud. And I loved that noise because people, people <laughs> look, they turn their head. And I always thought that was, it was just neat. It was an, it was an extra bonus. And like, Later, I learned to actually love the game. Oh, cool. How about you, George? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do remember the first time that I saw and played mm. the game. It was at really? the Tilt Arcade in the Governor Square Mall oh, here in okay. Tallahassee. And I distinctly remember going up and putting a quarter in it after a couple of people had played it and mm. liking the whole little intro scene of the little spaceship dropping him down on the, the little disc, dropping him on the first mm. square of the pyramid yep. and yep. understanding, okay, I just need to hop around until it tells me I'm done. But I remember being being very frustrated with that first quarter or two because I was not used to joysticks going in a diagonal direction oh, at that oh, point. Yeah. I was mm-hmm. only used to them going vertical or horizontal. You know, I, mm-hmm. I was not used to the diagonal. So that game for me as a young person took a lot longer to play and 
get comfortable with than other games did at the time. Like even a game like Asteroids, which was all buttons, that felt very natural to me. A game yeah. like Defender, tons of buttons, but still <laughs> felt more natural to me. This one with those diagonal only moves and that weird dimensional shift that my eyes for some reason had a hard time deciphering what the proper movement was. Mm. It felt like the game was almost slightly unfair, but I still enjoyed it. <laughs> Hmm. It's funny you talk about the controller when they were developing it. You know, the engineers created had to make a control. Now they had, you know, they were just mounted, so they just rotate it forty five degrees and right, get the sure. things they wanted. But they had to basically put it on the bottom of like a bucket or something, and they just like mounted it for him. It's here, here's your controller, <laughs> so he can, <laughs> you know, he can rotate it himself and play it. But that was definitely a different thing back then. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Each episode of Gen X Grown Up has show notes loaded with links where you can learn more about our topics. And there's even more to see and hear over at GenXGrownUp.com. One of the things I thought was really weird about Cubert is that I really thought they didn't come out with many sequels. Like, I don't remember seeing many in the arcade itself. Mm -mm. I don't remember any at all. I mean, I, yeah. we know better now in the future, but barely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did actually do a lot of research to find. And actually, there were quite a few, most of them ports and stuff. But there were quite a few, you know, Cubert things that came out, which I was actually happy to see. But the one that actually came out, which um, was supposed to be a direct descendant of it, was called, this is probably the worst name ever, Faster, Harder, More Challenging Cubert. I mean, that's like <laughs> so on the nose. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> it sounds like a development name. We'll, we'll come up right. a good name later. <laughs> yeah. Or the FHMC Cubert. Mm -hmm. It rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Now it sounds like they're cussing twice. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Cubert was saying. FHMC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was great because when I bought my new wave Cubert replicate, the little mini replicate, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I got one, the Warren Davis editions, which boots up to that version of Cubert. Really? Mm. Yeah. Now I haven't checked. So does mine that's not the Warren Davis edition have it on there? I just can't. Oh, yeah, it does. Okay, yeah, you have cool. to, it, depending on which edition is what starts. Ah. Is the default. Oh, okay. the so default if you have the Warren Davis, it defaults ah. to the sequel right. and the other one. Oh, it's another differentiation. Cool. Ah. Yep. And let me tell you, it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's much faster. And this is coming from a Cubert expert. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I went back and played the original Cubert some after that. But still, though, <laughs> it's just neat that, you know, he had this whole idea for the game. He pitched it, but it, they didn't respond like really super positive to it and he says one of his big regrets is that he didn't really push it because he thinks if he pushed it he probably could have gotten it released or at least mm -hmm. gotten to look at it more but they didn't and he had some other new ideas so he kind of moved on to other projects so did the FHMC never officially release then is that it, yep it was never released oh so so when you play it now on this replicate it's something that was never in the arcade I only learned of it Correct. through emulation I assumed it was a real machine but no 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 it never oh, actually was okay. made got it oh actually or there may have been one that was his like prototype or something right. sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah like he got had it at his 
house or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you get a chance to play it, though, it's, it is a lot of fun. It adds a lot to it. But one thing that I liked about the original Qbert was the simplicity. Like, mm-hmm. The rules are easy to understand. What you're trying to do is easy to understand. This has added a whole lot more to it. So you got to get excited about that. But then they also came out with things like there was a Qbert Quest pinball machine that came out. Gottlieb, of course. Of course. This seems like a yeah. natural extension. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> this is some weird one. So it was 1984. They came out with a Qbert Cubes, Q-U-B-E-S. It still had the Qbert, but they had like these different enemies. And it was weird. I, I saw a picture of it. I don't remember it. the game, but the name sounds really familiar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the original had what, like Coily and some pig uh, and again, some yeah, green guy. Three, I don't know. There's three guys. enemies, basically, other than the balls. <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, this one had all these different enemies and they moved a lot more. Like the other enemies always move in one direction in the original game, except for oh, Corley. Right. He could jump mm-hmm. around. Right. Uh, but these could move in all different directions. And it seemed almost like they were just taking the original Qbert and throwing a new skin on it and mm. adding some extra stuff. And really, I don't know how big a deal it was. I mean, that's not unheard of for game developers, yeah. though, right? Yeah. You know, take what we yeah. got and put something new on it and hope they'll it's buy it. kind of a shortcut. Yeah. Was it like Jungle Hunt versus... Oh, Jungle King. King. Versus, King. Yeah. Rebranded. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. In 1986, they had a version for Qbert for the MSX. I'm not sure what that is. Do you guys know? I, I think it was just an old computer. I think it predated oh. maybe Windows. No, certainly not Windows, but even DOS or anything like that. I think it was just back when the ZX Spectrum was out and stuff like that. I think mm. MXX. Oh, gotcha, so gotcha. It was a port. Okay. So that one, they changed the main character to a dragon. I have no idea <laughs> where that was coming from. I <laughs> don't know. something to do with that nose, I guess. <laughs> but the cool thing it did have is it had two-player competitive. Oh. So basically, you're both on the board and whoever gets the most squares wins. Ah. Oh, that's a neat idea. Okay. That I could enjoy. Yeah, yeah. while avoiding all the other stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of different. But then, you know, as things came on with the new games like in 1992 Game Boy came out with his own version mm. sure NES came out with a version 93 called Qbert 3 which was a whole actually was a whole different game I think it actually had like hexagon platforms instead of square oh, so wow. you could move in more directions which right. again made it way more complicated <laughs> yeah because it wasn't difficult enough with the diagonal yeah, exactly <laughs> let's, let's add said. six directions <laughs> well, instead of just it was simple but yes hard and then in 2004 Sony actually released a flash version of the game you could play on your PC oh. that was actually true <laughs> to the real game. Wow. Yeah, okay. You can still, yeah. if you could find a way to play Flash games now these days. I wonder why but Sony <laughs> would do that. Did Sony buy Gottlieb or something? Uh, actually, Sony owns the rights. They own oh, the they rights own to Qbert. They really? own Qbert. Yep. I'll be damned. Okay, because I've got some questions when we get to the next segment then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then 2014, Qbert uh, rebooted came out. Uh, again, that, so as well had the hex shapes and had to, oh, it just added, like, it wasn't anything original. They just took mm-hmm. the thing and just added more. So you're still hopping on the tops of boxes, yeah. but you could move in more directions because they were exactly. cubes, they were hex. I see. Yeah, all right. Which I'm like, uh, I guess that's what they did for arcade games. I mean, look at Defender, then was a Stargate, mm-hmm. was a sequel, and they right. just added more crap, right? Yeah. You know, made it harder. <laughs> and then yep. there's this rumor in 2019, I heard there was a version of Qbert for the iOS. I cannot find it. Okay. It's in Wikipedia, and yep. I found a lot of, a few references to it, but I cannot find it in the store. So I don't know if it's something that was discontinued, maybe fell off I know the store. iOS, Apple, they do remove stuff from yeah, their platform. And come and go. It's like it never existed when they do that oh yeah it's like <laughs> if anybody happens to know where i could get one of these or how <laughs> i would really appreciate it but as you can see i mean cuba really it was obviously so popular they did try to come up with a whole bunch of ways to 
keep it going essentially on these mm-hmm. different platforms. They were trying to continue the monetization, it sounds like. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. I saw you had this iOS version on here and I'm like, I'm gonna be a hero. I'm gonna go find it for Mo. And I found a link to the iOS, the the, the, the Apple store, and I clicked on it. It goes nowhere. So yeah, like man. you, I can't find it either. You got to like jailbreak and sideload to get it these days, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I don't know, but I'm it makes me curious what they I'm, did I'm just with curious. It. I just want to see it to tell you the truth. I'm just curious what it looked How like. How would you control on a mobile device with a touch screen? Like the diagonal yeah. joystick was one thing. Now I gotta remember to swipe <laughs> yeah, diagonally. The like that's, maybe that's why a, a recipe for disaster. Ah crunch. Maybe that's why it's gone. <laughs> maybe so. You have to throw your phone down to the floor diagonally in order for you to <laughs> Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. If you're a diehard Gen X grown-up, you can pledge your support by clicking join on YouTube or by becoming a patron at genxgrownup.com slash Patreon. Why, it's Cuber. What brings you here, neighbor? What's he saying, Felix? Uh, stand by. My Cuberdies is a little rusty. Ralph's gone turbo. <laughs> You mentioned earlier, George, that Cubert uh, showed up in Wreck-It Ralph, which was... I, well, <laughs> yeah. yes, and yeah. that's why I have a question from the last segment. Okay. okay. Because we just determined that Sony owns the rights. Wreck-It Ralph is Disney. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. I want to yeah. know how Cubert ends up in Wreck-It Ralph. They, I mean, they wouldn't give us Spider-Man forever. They still own <laughs> Venom. <laughs> so how well, does Cubert make it through that legal loophole? They're probably a little more protective of Spider-Man than they are of Cubert, I'm guessing. So, well, yeah. maybe. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And brace yourself. Wreck-It Ralph came out in 2012. It's Ten totally years crap. ago now. Wow. Man. And he kind of had a pivotal role. He was in Game Central Station, and he, remember, Ralph came out and gave him a cherry that he'd got mm-hmm. from Pac-Man. Because he was homeless, because his game had been shut down. That's right. Because he was a sad sack, just like Warren Davis wanted. Just like we've seen him do. Yeah. Poor Hubert. <laughs> right, it was Cubert. But <laughs> I loved him in that. And seeing him there is like, that's a recognition that like, yeah, of course there's Pac-Man and stuff. But Cubert, he was definitely recognized in that movie as being important to the gaming industry, an icon of that. And I think that's really a testament to his staying power and his legacy, how much people like him. Yeah, I actually asked Warren Davis about that during the interview. Really? Yeah, he didn't know that it was going to be in the movie. Yeah, he oh, he no was going to be in it. He did know it's in it. Okay. He, now he knows it's in it, but at the time, yeah, before they did it, because, you know, back then, you know, developers didn't get credit. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. all owned by the company, that kind of stuff. Right. So he said that he had mixed feelings about it because he says, one, it says he showed it as a game that was dead. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Wreck-It Ralph. But then he said, you know, hey, there's no such thing as bad publicity. But they did show it, <laughs> so, like I said. I mean, yeah. I, I get that he wouldn't know it because that's 
indicative too of like early music artists, right? They yeah. have mm-hmm. the time their music gets sold to some commercial and they're like, what? It's yeah. promoting a Toyota. What the hell? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. I, didn't, I didn't write that song for that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can see that it would be even worse for video game people. Oh yeah, for sure. There's a version of this game pretty much on every platform that's ever come out. They have come yeah. out with a version of Qbert. It's like you said, it's like Galaga. It's like Pac-Man. It's everywhere. So there is one for the 2600, right? You know, I don't know. There is. I've seen the ROM. I don't know if it ever got officially released. I think I've got a cartridge that sells oh, really? Qbert. I think I've got a couple of cartridges. Parker Brothers did it. Oh, in right. fact, it's, yeah. it's did Frogger, I think, on the 2600. I think you're right. I do because remember it's seeing the, it. It's a different looking cartridge than mm-hmm. most Parker 2600 Brothers. cartridges got yeah, the weird the angle shape oh. angled stuff. Okay. Yep. Sure enough. I, as you said, there's a version on every platform. My first brain said, there's not one for the 2600, but then I said, wait a minute. I think there is. Yeah. I said, yes, I was, when you said that first, I was like, was there one? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just say most practically all, not all. Um, and also with the you know resurgence of these like replicates, like the minis, mm. the minis mm-hmm. stuff, yep. just Cubert versions of every, like you said, like Pac-Man, like Galaga, there's mm-hmm. a Cubert version of just about all these. Although it took a while, it seems like it's not the first run of these. It's always like the second generation of these. Not the first pick. Hubert. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it wasn't the first generation of the yeah, video exactly. games hitting the arcade. It wasn't yeah. Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or Space Invaders. So mm-hmm. I get like, I'm really shocked that Galaga usually gets lumped in with the first run because it's a second run. It's, yeah. you know, the second run to Galaxian. Mm-hmm. So I get why Qbert is kind of on that next tier down. Sure. Absolutely. Doesn't make it any less enjoyable or nostalgic. Oh, no, no, for sure. Mm-mm. It's kind of because like Someone might have just a Galaga or just a Pac-Man, but rarely did I see just a Qbert, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Often you see Qbert in with other stuff because they had several games. For whatever reason, I never saw it. Maybe once or twice I did, I don't remember, but it kind of wasn't the first pick when you got a game. It was the second yeah. or third pick. Uh, yeah. It which not to you know say anything bad about the game. It just kind of that was its that was its uh, position in the pecking order. It, it, it's a great game. It kind of I kind of put it on that same level of a thing like uh, Burger Time mm-hmm. or yeah, yeah. even yep. a Moon Patrol. You know those ones that came out a few years later but were still mm-hmm. awesome games mm-hmm. yeah, agreed for sure yeah. and also I think the fact that the controller is shifted 45 degrees mm-hmm. probably because they have to change their form factor a little bit to support mm-hmm. it and stuff so that, I'm sure that maybe also says eh, let's do that second yeah <laughs> so gotcha there was also a short lived cartoon that I had totally forgotten about until John actually gave me a copy of it on DVD which he thankfully ripped for me because I don't have a DVD <laughs> player anymore <laughs> I knew you wouldn't have a DVD way to play it take a Have you watched any of that? What do you think of it? Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but I watched every single one, but it but was that's awful. That's the one where he's sucking up fruit with his nose yeah. and shooting it out, shooting right? Shooting out things, yeah. Okay. Doesn't he have like a whole family of other Cubert yep. people? Oh, yeah. There's a whole Cubert family. It's, it was awful. And every episode <laughs> name like works Q in there somewhere. Somehow. Oh. You know, some goofy pun, yeah. It went uh, one whole season. Hey, I'll take it. You know, it's one of those <laughs> things. I'm, I love that it exists. I'm not going to watch it every day, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Mo, we did this with George. We talked about Galaga. This, as we've said, this is your game. This is, if if you're going to play one game, you got one quarter. This is your game. It kind of always has been. Two questions for you. The first is, what is your high score? I mean, do you recall? Oh, like, how, how have you done? Is there like an area that you usually finish when you're yeah. trying hard? Uh, well, when I was younger and had better reflexes than eyesight, um, <laughs> I we would score probably in the neighborhood of, you know, 120, 130,000 points. Ooh. What level wow. roughly would that be? Oh, geez. 
because it cycles back around and just gets faster right. as you, if you finish all of them. So, geez, you know, I don't remember. Mm. But like each one has a number, right? Between levels, yeah, they, you see they, they the do. little yes. numbers. Number. Yeah. I was yeah, just curious. But I honestly okay. don't remember what the number was. I just kind of remember the scores. And I just remember it being like so fast, it was ridiculous. Right. In different groups of levels, don't they like, they add like the difficult crap, like you got to jump on it twice or you can actually yeah, yeah. change the mm-hmm. color you back. To, those are where, right, those are where I get back. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's ones that you have to jump on it, change it back and change it again. I mean, it's it just yeah. gets, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was just crazy. You know, it was my go-to when I had like three quarters left. Yeah. There you That's go. the one place. I know it gets most time for my money. And my second question is if somebody is either never played Cuber or they're new to it or they suck at it like I do and they like to get better. Do you have any like pro tips or tips for beginners or how do you approach uh, yeah, it? Actually, the big tips that my brother actually taught me was the two bottom corners are the ones you should get earliest because oh, that's, okay. it could trap you. Okay. And the discs are distraction. They're great for getting out of jams, but your goal is to change the colors and keep that in mind always, not making Coily jump off the edge. I'm always maximizing. I want to get all the discs because I think that's the coolest thing. You're not actually not that many points and you get a few oh. points by leaving them, but you don't, it's not that huge a bonus for getting coily. You get points for discs you don't use? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, okay. not a lot, but you get like 50 points, something like that for each one. Mm, I've learned something. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious, too. Is there like any tip that you can give us for the way that the characters or the balls fall? Because that's the part that I feel like if I if I knew like, okay, I know Coily jumps wherever the hell he wants to go. But if the other people, if I kind of understood, okay, they're going to fall this way or that way or something like that. There's some kind of patterns like with Galaga, Pac-Man, they all have their patterns. Does Kubert have that or is it? It's, it is ran like the paths are determined when they jump onto the screen, but it's random. So you don't know oh. which way they're going to mm. go. But Man. you have to keep in mind that like Coily is the only one that could jump in all directions. Mm-hmm. Obviously balls always fall down. Right. Mm-hmm. And Ugg and Runway, they stop opposite corners, but they also, from where they start, they only go down. So one starts from the left and always has to move to the right. And the other one starts from the right and always has to move to the left. Okay. That's important then. Yes. Because so, that's yeah. something mm-hmm. I wouldn't have known. Yeah. It just looks like chaos to me too, George. Oh, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> just like they're everywhere. And the thing is with me, when I played it, well, so again, when I was younger, made my reflexes a little bit faster is that if you're sitting there, you watch the balls fall. If it's fall, about to fall on your head, you do have time to move out of the way. Mm. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's again, it's just, you know, maximizing as many, getting as many cubes to the right color as possible, as quickly as possible. And then that's how you just get through the levels, you know, and, and keep advancing mm. up the levels. Mm. Sometimes I know I've seen, like you said, John, like, oh, I got to maximize my discs. Mm-hmm. Really for me, the discs were just the way to get out of a jam. Okay. All right. If I'm stuck, jump to the discs. Well, next time I play, I'm going to think of it that way then. I'm going to approach yeah, it Yeah, I never thought of the discs as a scoring thing. I was just like, holy shit, I'm about to die. Jump on a disc. <laughs> well, and that's actually, if you're about to die, use a disc. <laughs> For sure. We've said over and over in this backtrack that Qbert is your game, Mo. It's the number yeah. one game that you pick, you know, and whoever has a favorite anything, there's a story behind it. I'm I'm just really curious if you would share with us why Qbert is your favorite or why it's so important to you. Oh, wow. Basically, it was my brother's favorite game. My brother, David, okay. mm. uh, who's no longer with us. Uh. And when he took me arcade, it was like, and for some reason, like, and he was the one, he coached me. You know, he's the one that taught me how to play. Oh, and like, he'd yeah. be on my shoulder, like, okay, do this, do this, do this. And me and him would actually, we would shut down arcades playing Qbert. <laughs> there was a place in Penn Station, it was called Station Break. I remember like, and they closed at like two o'clock in the morning at some ridiculous time. <laughs> but I remember we were sitting there one night and we were playing it and the guys wanted to close, but we were still playing. <laughs> <laughs> and so they were literally standing around us waiting for us to die. And then we would get to our last life and then they'd be like, okay. And all of a sudden, oh, we got a bonus life. And they'd be like, oh, <laughs> damn it, these kids. <laughs> and so what they finally did was all of a sudden it clicked off. Literally, they turned the machine off on us. Yeah. And the guy's just here and he gave us each like a handful of quarters. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> just leave. Here's just money. Go. 
payola. So we're like, all right, you know, I got quarters for next time. You got your fun out of it. I mean, honestly, we weren't really high scores really weren't the important thing. It was just playing with my brother for as long as possible. That was really what Mm. made the game special. I see. That's that's powerful. You know, you, you like you think back to a parent or like you said, a, a sibling or whatever. So so this is like, I mean, I just like Donkey Kong because I like Donkey Kong. You know, George mm-hmm. likes Galaga because he's great at it. He's in the zone kind of thing. And it's, you know, I, I never knew how like personal connection you had to it. So oh, yeah. do you still, like when you play now, do you kind of, you remember your brother when you're playing kind of oh, thing? Oh, absolutely. That's I mean, cool. it was, that's, uh, mm. my awesome girlfriend actually got me a full-size Cubert mm-hmm. cabinet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I have never cried from a gift in my life, ever. Until? Until that one. Yeah, wow. That's a pretty good gift. I mean, that's she wins. Is ridiculously expensive. <laughs> if my wife still. is listening, that's a pretty good gift. <laughs> you want to see George cry? Oh. There you go. <laughs> She's seen that plenty. Oh. She doesn't need to give me a Gallagher like machine to see me cry. <laughs> well, I can make George cry at a dime. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's a great game. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Mo. I appreciate it. And I'm happy for you that you have that connection. You know, you can remember. It's like this tangible thing that's forever there. It helps remind you your brother and playing time with him. That's awesome. That's really cool. And I want to thank you too for all the prep work you did and research for this backtrack. Amazing stuff I never heard. This was like breathing. It was great. It was easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing 75% of it came out of your head that you already knew. But yeah. (laughs) Just confirm me some facts, you know. That's cool. 40 years of Qbert now. Jeez. Amazing. Whew. Again, Mo, thank you. Guys, it's been a blast running down this. Who knows what's going to be 40th anniversary next year. We're going to have to find another raft of games that we enjoy, but <laughs> I really dig these backtracks. We we remember the origin of and kind of the legacy of these games that we grew up with. That then is going to wrap it up for this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. Don't worry, we'll be back in two weeks with another one, though, of course, and next week is the regular edition of our show. Until then, I am John. George, thank you so much for being here, man. Yes, sir. Mo, I super appreciate you. Thanks so much. <laughs> oh, man, thank you. This was definitely a lot of fun. I, I loved it. Loved it. Fourth listener, it is you we all appreciate most of all, though, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. See you guys. Take care, everybody. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? Gen X Grown-Up is a member of the Evergreen Podcast family. Learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com. No shows till sunrise. Unacceptable for grown-ups Your dinner cannot just be french fries Basically life sucks as a grown-up uh, I think this is all accurate. Let's backtrack. We celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Arcade Classic, Hubert. Yeah, that sounds right number right there. What's that? You got the number right that time. You didn't say 40. Yes, I, I wrote that one today. That wasn't Atari on the brain. <laughs> <laughs> you kept saying Hubert was part of that game. Oh, did I say that? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, I'll just say it part. Did I say it a lot? <laughs> yeah, like twice. Oh, did I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll part say, of that game. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say it one more time with, uh, I'll be able to fix it. Okay. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.